How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. I want to welcome everyone to episode 50 of X-Lapse, the big milestone, only to me, episode. Uh, before I go into anything here, I would like to just thank everyone for uh, sticking around for uh, this little uh, project up to this point. It really means a lot to me. And uh, before we actually get into our uh, discussion of uh, X-Men Fantastic Four number 4, I want to take a page out of uh, another show that I do, uh, Chris's on Infinite Earths, and uh, maybe uh, tell a little story, <laughs> a little non-comics-related story, or non-completely comics-related story, um, just uh, maybe give a little bit of insight as to why this episode is so important to me personally. And uh, I don't want this to turn into a... Any sort of a pity party or any sort of uh, me, you know, waving my fist in the air about how bad current year was. Because, I mean, we all know it was a rotten year. Um, but uh, this year, um, I, I don't want to say professionally, because this isn't a professional thing in the slightest. But uh, uh, hobby-wise, I guess. Um, a lot of things happened that... Um, really uh, made me question whether or not I'd still be doing what I'm doing right now. And I mean, I ain't doing anything big here. This is just me sitting in a room by myself talking into a microphone. So it's not like, I mean, I, I ain't changing any lives here. It's just, you know, me sharing some thoughts about stuff I read. But uh, I wasn't sure I'd be doing this anymore um, after a few things that happened this year. And... If you'll indulge me, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that before we get into the actual comics content. Um, if this ain't your thing, I'm going to try to remember to timestamp when I start talking about the comic. I, I can't promise that I will, because uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be talking. <laughs> I very well might forget. Um, I'd like to remember, but uh, I mean, if, if me talking about... Uh, stuff that isn't X-Men Fantastic Four um, isn't your bag... Um, I just skip to later. Uh, you know, <laughs> no hard feelings. We're all still friends. But uh, I just want to share a few things here to uh, just talk about why this, uh, why I, I'm taking this milestone as something far bigger than it has any right to be. And uh, it's simply because I never thought it was going to be. Um, I never thought episode one was going to be of this program or of any program. So, uh, without any further vamping, <laughs> let me, uh, try and give you all some context. And these are stories that, uh, 
in part I've told on other programs, but I don't know how much crossover there is between this show and some other shows. Uh, I, I generally assume there's none. So um, if you're hearing some of this for the second time, I, I apologize. But uh, a little bit of context just to frame this here and uh, give everyone a better idea of the uh, the just what I'm thinking. Um, I give the... Uh, I give the archive address at the end of every episode, and uh, that archive is chrisandreggie.podbean.com, and uh, I'm Chris. Um, in case you don't know, in case you're new to this channel, there was also a Reggie. Um, Reggie was my uh, partner for uh, many years, uh, going on a half decade. He and I put together programs um, with uh, regularity, and... Uh, Christmas Day of 2019, he suffered a stroke, and he called me a couple days later. It was on my birthday, actually, December 27th. He called me that morning and told me what had happened, and uh, it all sounded very, very final. He uh, he told me what went down and, and what he had uh, lost the ability to do, which he was unable to uh, read for great lengths of time, and uh, he was partially blind, and it really, it really hit me. I, I haven't, I hadn't had to uh, face that, something like that before, from someone who was close to me in age, um, and someone I was working closely with, uh, and uh, at that point... I kind of stopped putting together shows. I stopped making uh, podcasts. And uh, I, for the first time in many years, I felt um, what I can only describe as mic fright. I, I, I couldn't picture myself sitting behind a microphone in my empty room talking about anything, comics, anything. Just uh, I, I was petrified of uh, of doing it, and I I couldn't figure out why. You know, uh, it took me a very long time to get over it to where I could actually put out content again. Um, I think I well, I don't think I know. I relied a lot on Reggie for support. Um, creative support, emotional support, because I can be a bit of a nut when it comes to things like numbers and the listenership, and I can, uh, I overanalyze things to the point where I'm no longer analyzing anything based in reality, and, uh, I have a, I sometimes take things, uh, personally, um, like, when numbers are down, I take it personal. Not realizing that in the real world, people's lives don't revolve around, you know, me talking about the X-Men or me talking about anything. Um, but, I, I, you know, just the, the irrational part of me would, uh, would worry about that kind of stuff and would take things personally and would uh, kind of get um, into my own head to the point where I, I didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to function as a content creator on this uh, on this great and wide internet anymore because I didn't have my support. 
Reggie was the support, and uh, he would always find a way to to knock me back to reality, but he did so very gently, and he did so with care. And uh, without him there, I was kind of left to uh, to my own uh, insecurities and uh, and worries. And what's more, I had started doing uh, podcasts with other folks, and I found myself taking like the Reggie role, uh, like the the veteran role, uh, who would do the editing and who would do the promoting and all the stuff that I depended on Reggie to do was now something that I was doing. And it was something that I, I mean, podcasting comes easy to some people, uh, you know, thing, anything in in this world can come easy to some people. Walking a tightrope comes easy to some people. Flying a jet plane comes easy to some people. Um, and podcasting of course comes easy to some people. I'm not one of those people. I second, third, and fourth guess just about everything I say and everything I do, and I worry a lot. So uh, without someone there to, uh, without Reggie there, who was, you know, my mentor as well as my friend, I got scared. I was too scared to uh, to function on these airwaves here. And... Uh, I don't want that to sound like I'm slighting any any other people that I've been working with because they were fantastic. They are fantastic, and uh, I'll talk more about them in a little bit. But uh, but yeah, we were where where were we? We're <laughs> we're at the, around the new year, and I there were things I wanted to do. There were things I wanted to talk about. There were shows I wanted to put together, and I, I just couldn't do it. There were shows that I was putting together that I bailed on. I was just lucky, so lucky that the the folks that I bailed on are still there for me. They still, they still accept me, and uh, that means a world to me. And I don't know if I've made that clear to them. And if they're listening now, I, I hope they, I hope they know that. But, um, but uh, yeah, so I was just done. Uh, the channel sat by its lonesome, and. Uh, then rent came due. Um, we're on Podbean, and uh, we were on a yearly subscription schedule with them. And I didn't want to bother Reggie with it. Reggie was the one because we had the Patreon that went to uh, that went to Reggie, and and he would parcel it out. But he would also take care of the of the accounting. You know, he would take care of domain names, and he would take care of the the podcast feed, and. Um, when I got the email saying that, hey, all your stuff is going to vanish in four days if you don't, if you don't re-up now, you're going to be, you know, SOL. You're not going to have any of your audio. And at that point, I mean, it was thousands of hours of audio. And it's, and I, you know, it's going to sound weird perhaps, but uh, I compared it to um, being the, the spouse that doesn't handle accounting, you know. Like, you hear stories about couples that are together for... And this is me over-romanticizing things. Um, but uh, you hear stories of, like, couples who are, who are together for a number of years. And when one of them passes, the other one doesn't know where the checkbook is. And that's where I was. I got this, this email, and I wasn't going to bother Reggie with it. Because he had far more important things 
to concern himself with. I just had to figure out a way to make it work, if I wanted to make it work. And at that point, I hadn't put out new content in a long time. And it would have been very easy for me just to let it lapse. Maybe download a few things before it, they vanished. And, uh, and just moved on with my life. But, uh, but I, f- you know, I figured it out. I had, to, I had to get in touch with a lot of people just to verify I was who I said I was. And it was a bit of a cluster, but it got done. But uh, it, was, uh, it was an experience. And it was a reality check that, I don't know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm worthy of a whole lot in this, in this game. But uh, that made it feel like I, I really wasn't pulling my weight. Like, those are things I should have known, you know what I mean? Um, but it was fixed, you know, and there was nothing else to worry about, or so I thought. And then, uh, about a month later... Um, Reggie would pass away And That is uh, where I thought It was just, I was just done Um For a lot of reasons, you know Uh, of course there was all the support That I would get from him Um, all the guidance And I mean These are things that I've talked about before on here And I I don't want to be too Repetitive, um And I don't want to bring everyone down here Uh, because I don't want to say the story has a happy ending, but it it, it does turn. Um, yeah, so I thought I was just done. You know, um, I didn't think I didn't think it was right for me to have the ability to continue doing this thing that uh, that he and I had done together. You know, um, I didn't know what was next. I didn't know where. What the next move would be You know um, And What happened Was I took Two or three weeks off From uh, doing shows And then I forced myself to do a show And uh, I regret that a lot Because I, I don't have very many rules When it comes to doing what I do right now What I'm doing right now is it's not important. It's not a. Uh, it's not life changing. It's a. Uh, but I still have a rule for it, um, and the the rule is that you have to be passionate about what you're doing. I've listened to a lot of shows where the hosts hosts are clearly not interested in what they're talking about. They're dispassionate about their subject, and I feel like that's. It's almost like an insult to the listenership, because. They're spending their time They're choosing to spend their time with you And uh, if you're not gonna Be passionate about what you do Then I mean you're not helping anybody And I was that guy For that week Where I forced myself to do this show I, I My mind was anywhere but on the show But I pushed through anyway And uh Felt really dirty afterwards Felt like I'd broken a rule I felt like I betrayed my partner I felt really, really not good um, And uh, and it was a real shock to the system It was a reality check for me where I, I figured it was just, you know It's time to hang it up It's time to hang up this microphone Because I'm not passionate about this anymore 
I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and then you start thinking, you, you start to try to justify the decision that you're afraid to make. Because I was petrified to make this decision, because had I stopped, then what was the, what was the other five years for? You know, building to nothing. So you try to justify it, and then you that's thats when I start getting my head lost in the numbers. And it's like, well, less people are listening, so eh. You know, nobody wants this anyway. So why am I still bothering? And uh, that that's, that's some heavy justification when you're dealing with something that once brought you great joy, and then suddenly isn't. And it's... Just so mind-boggling that uh, you know you think about how it's every—it's never going to be the same again, right? And and for again for folks who want to hear me talk about X-Men Fantastic Four number four, it's coming. I apologize. <laughs> this is just a uh, this is just me talking for a minute. Um, I figured it was probably in my best interest and out of respect to my partner to leave. To stop, you know, not to do this anymore um, And uh, not many people know Even those closest to me don't know how close it came for me Just <laughs> deleting everything um, When Reggie passed, uh, the blog changed quite a bit Up to that point it had been It had only been reviews of uh, mostly DC comics uh, for the first you know four years or so it was all DC stuff. Then started trickling some other stuff in as I got burned out on that stuff. But uh, when Reggie passed, I couldn't write about that anymore. I couldn't write about comics anymore because that was something I associated with uh, with the work he and I did together. So my blog kind of uh, deteriorated. I don't want to say deteriorated because it didn't. Um, the stuff that I wrote was uh, some of the most heartfelt stuff I've probably ever wrote for public consumption, but uh, it shifted. I wrote about my times with Reggie, and uh, that's... I, I didn't... I wasn't worried about an audience, you know? I wasn't worried if this was not what people wanted to see. And uh, it was very cathartic, but it was different, you know, it was very different from what came before. And it was just another sign that things were not going to be the same anymore. And uh, I would eventually have a decision to make. And uh, it was a decision I didn't want to make. Because the way I looked at it, there was no good... There was no good option. Either, either I keep going and feel like I'm betraying someone I care about a lot. Or I stop doing something that once brought me great joy and, and could very well bring me joy again. So, and I, I I get that this is like such small potatoes compared to real life things. But, uh, I don't know, it's just something that, uh, I think this hobby has just become so intrinsically linked to so many different aspects of my life. Um... Everything outside of my professional life and my academic life is, and family life is mixed up in this hobby. You know, all of my friends I have through this hobby. My, pa you know, my, my hobby passion in life of comic books is tied 
I don't think there's a way to untie it from this hobby, you know? So shutting the door on it would be shutting the door on so much more. Does that make sense? I I hope it does. And I hope I don't come across like a total whinge and fool here, but uh, I'm just trying to... uh, There is a point here I'm trying to get to, and and I'll eventually get to it. (laughs) But uh, um, I was lucky enough to have some very, very supportive friends uh, in this time here, uh, no matter how hard I pushed them away, because I did. I pushed a lot of people away during these uh, past six months where, I don't know, it's just been, been a difficult time. And they've all stuck by me, and they've all pushed me, and they've all given me space when they knew I needed it, and piled on when they knew I needed that, you know. And uh, I don't want to name names, because uh, anytime I do, I'm afraid I'm going to leave someone out. And as someone who's usually left out of those lists, I know how much that can hurt. So I won't name names, but you probably all know who you are. Um... That brings me to um, to this program here, Xlapsed. I wanted I wanted to be able to do something on my own again, and uh, previous shows that I had done, the Chris's on Infinite Earth show, the 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 Remarvel show, the shows that I've done by myself have been some of the most challenging shows. Challenging things that I've done um, For this hobby It's uh, It's difficult uh, if, if anyone out there, podcaster or not um, Hasn't tried to record themselves by themselves It's uh, It could be scary uh, The first episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths Took me a month and a half to, to record And it was 20 minutes long It sat in pieces On my hard drive For a month and a half <laughs> And it was 20 minutes Right now I've taken one breath And I'm 22 minutes into this episode You know, it's it's It, it gets easier uh, But it's always a challenge um, Maybe you just don't worry quite as much uh, As you get more and more hours under your belt But I wanted something to talk about But I didn't want it to be What was before Things like Chris's on Infinite Earths are very much like what you're listening to right now. It's me talking. And it's not always about comics, though it eventually will talk about a comic, right? But for the greater portion of it, it's me telling a personal story or me working through something. <laughs> it's a very, uh, it's the emotional shiatsu massage, you know? And it's. I know when I walk away from the desk today, I'm going to feel like I ran a marathon, you know, um, because spilling like this is, uh, it's difficult. It's not, uh, it's difficult. (laughs) That's, that's what I'll, how I'll put it, especially when I'm talking about a subject that is more than me and, uh, Reggie is more than me. And uh, I feel like I do I'm doing it as a service Even talking about it But uh, Getting to X-Lapsed eventually here um, I wanted something that was a little bit easier For me to do I wanted to be able to You know, plop myself in a chair 
talking to a microphone for a half hour a day and uh, and make something and make something that I could be passionate about make something that I could be excited about make something that might touch some other people and might invite people to follow along and uh, with X-Lapsed um, it was a roll of the dice because First of all, um, I don't think I'm very good at what I do. Uh, that's just me. That's maybe the guilty Catholic in me. It might be the the realist in me. I don't know. The pragmatist. I don't know. Uh, second, uh, everything I heard about this line of books, the Hox Pox Docs line, I didn't think I was smart enough to talk about it. I've mentioned it before. I have several degrees in psychology. <laughs> And still wasn't sure I was smart enough to follow Hoxpox. And I'm still not completely <laughs> convinced that I am. But uh, I was concerned. Um, X-Men fans, of which I do consider myself, of course, it's a very passionate bunch, as I can attest. And so taking such a radical take... On, on these characters and trying to analyze it and try to give my opinions and my two cents, it was intimidating. And uh, so there's the fact that I don't think I'm very good, the fact that I don't think I'm very smart, and there's also the fact that I just didn't think anyone would care. And uh, that is something that that's something that I always let Reggie worry about. But uh, with this project in particular, since this is just me and this was starting from ground zero and it was something different, I worried about whether or not anyway, who, you know, who's going to care. And the fact that I wasn't planning on doing this every single day, it just sort of happened that way. I thought this was going to be maybe once, twice a week. And then the tumblers fell into place, you know? I found that I was passionate about this, and I was loving this project. And uh, there were people who also seemed to enjoy it. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't venture a guess as to why, but uh, there, there are folks out there. And again, I don't want to name names because I, I'm always afraid of leaving someone out, and your humble host is a guy who's usually left out of those lists, and I know how much that sucks. So I won't name names, but a lot of you know who you are. Um, and it really, when I say at the end of the episodes that it means the world to me, I mean that. I really do mean that. Um, as sarcastic or as silly as I make that sound, I mean every word of it. I mean it every single time I say it. Because it does. Because without you guys... Um, I wouldn't say that this show is as a wild success, but in a way, for me personally, it is. And that's why coming to a 50th episode the way we are means so damn much to me. Because it's validation, not that, you know, not that everybody in the world cares about this show, not that one or two people in the world care about this show, but the fact that I was able to do it. It's not something to be proud of. Right? I mean, it's me talking into a microphone. So it's not something that I'm, like, wildly proud of, but I'm just... I'm proud of myself for sticking to it. Because... Uh, rewinding back to various points in this year, I never, ever would have guessed 
that I'd be working on something that makes me happy and that makes other people happy and something that if I can keep my crap together, there's no end in sight. It's direction, it's motivation, it's a project. And uh, I thought that this part was going to be done for me. And uh, so far, so good, right? Uh, here we are with episode 50. Half a hundred. I mean, that's that's a lot of episodes or a lot of entries of anything. And, uh, and I'm just so happy that I was able to do it. I'm so happy I'm able to share it with you all and that you are all willing to share so much of your time listening to an idiot talk to talk about uh his hot takes for a a line of comic books right so um i think i think that's that's where i'll leave it for our uh little pre-ramble here our really long pre-ramble i want to apologize for going on as long as i did um if you're still with me thank you so much for listening thank you so much for indulging me and uh I think uh, you know what we're gonna we're gonna take another thing out of the uh, Chris's on Infinite Earths bag of tricks here, and uh, we're gonna throw it over to the horns. Uh, we're gonna go to the horns, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the last issue of X Men plus Fantastic Four. All righty, let's finally finish this one up here. This is X-Men plus Fantastic Four number 4, September 2020, covered eight. Stories called Welcome to the New World. Written by Chip Zosky. Pencils by Terry Dodson. Inks Rachel Dodson and Ransom Getty. Colors Laura Martin. Letters VCs Joe Caramagna. Edits Byro Smith Brevoort Sobolski. Cover price $3.99. Went on sale July 22nd of 2020. Now, we open in Doom's lab, right after he's found out that Wolverine had just skewered a Latverian. And we find out here that it was actually a Latverian mutant, which might have been made clear last issue and I somehow missed it, or may just be brand new information. Now, Doom, he insists that Franklin stay still in that god power beam or whatever it is. Uh, Beast decides to lunge out the window, like you do. And we see outside that the X-Men and the Fantastic Four have, uh, well, of course, put their differences aside to battle back the Doom Sentinels. Beast opines that Doctor Doom has just declared war on mutants. Then, two pages of credits and a whole lot of catch-up information included here, because you gotta remember, it's been like four months since the prior issue. uh, Something about the world ending and all that. Uh, Then, roll call. We've got our feared and hateds. That's Call Me Kate, Charles Xavier... Wolverine, Magneto, Cyclops, Beast, Emma Frost, Nightcrawler, and Rogue. Then we have our four fearless friends, of which, of course, there were six. Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, Human Torch, Thing, Franklin, and Val. And seeing the Fantastic Four's names here has me uh, wanting to ask, how to, did, how many folks include the thes when they refer to them, right? Did you say Invisible Woman or THE Invisible Woman? THE Human Torch, THE Thing. I, I'm probably like 80-20, no the, no the. Uh, same comes with like characters like The Flash. I, it's it's just Flash. And uh, I don't even get me started on actual comic book titles, you know, like The Uncanny X-Men and The Amazing Spider-Man. I, I've used some, uh, I've used some cataloging programs, right? I think a lot of us 
comics enthusiasts have used those online or downloadable apps or whatever to start logging your uh, your collections. And some of them, like if you put if you put Flash in there, and then you look under the Fs, it's not there. It's in the T's for the Flash. It's like, oh come on, even you just do Flash comma the. Help me out here. All right, back to the story. We're back inside here, and Sue and Kitty attempt to break through Doom's force field in order to nab Franklin, who looks like he's starting to freak out a bit. I don't know when Sue got here, but she's here. Uh, Just when it looks like Kitty's about to phase through the force field, Doom reminds her that he knows her powers better than she does. He comments that, you know, she's got the ability to make herself lighter than air, and we've seen her do that before. So, stands to reason, conversely, there's also the power to make her heavier than stone. And that's exactly what Doom does, and so she crashes through the floor, slamming down to the ground below. Franklin begs Doom to leave everyone alone. Sue continues to pound on the bubble, which, I mean, must be a heck of a thing, considering she is the most powerful character in the Marvel Universe and all. She's so powerful, in fact, that Emma Frost is about to beg her for an assist. Emma fills Sue in on Doom sticking mutants into the automated Doom armor, She doesn't mention that Wolverine, you know, impaled one, but uh, I guess that detail can wait. I thought Sue was with Emma. Wasn't she in town with them, making them invisible? I I don't know. Reed turns to Sue and tells her that she's got to save everyone because she's the most power... Uh, Never mind. Sue gets into the fracas. She helps to remove bits and pieces of the automated Doom armor from the missing Latvarian mutants. Nightcrawler bamps around a lot to give her a hand and uh, talk about how great it is that they're all working together now. In the down below, Kitty attempts to fight Doom's control over her powers and vows that she won't allow him to control Franklin as well. Speaking of Franklin, and this is pretty weird, he's like all contorted and in pain, right? He's being bathed in this this light from Doom here, right? And Reed, his father, he's just standing by, calmly saying, hey, you know, you can quit whenever you like. Did, did he not see what just happened to Kitty when she tried to helping him? Eh. Xavier, he's basically repeats the same thing he said last issue about Doom having an ulterior motive, and they're both perfectly calm here. They're just standing here blank-faced and useless. It's ridiculous. Finally, Kitty's able to, you know, get her druthers up, and she busts into the into the force field, and she fills Franklin in on everything that's going on outside. Which, shouldn't he sort of kind of already know that there's like a friggin' war happening outside the window? Yeah. Anywho, it's at this point that Franklin decides to stop the procedure, and what's more, he uses his reality-warping abilities to put a stop to all the fighting. The dust settles, and the heroes win. Just like that. Doom appears before the heroes to talk some spoo about Franklin being as dumb and useless as his father. Magneto pipes in and says that Doom's gonna pay for what he's done to the mutants. Professor X agrees with Magneto, but reveals that it won't be today that Doom pays. Because this ain't really Doom, it's just a hologram. Now this hologram starts reading the X-Men of the Riot Act. You know, they they broke his rules, murdered one of his people, and they obliterated his defense force, all in the name of superiority. Doom's pretty hung up on that, and, uh, well, as as in-your-face as it's been during this event, I I suppose it stands to reason. Doom reminds the heroes that they, exclamation point, are, exclamation point, in, exclamation point, Latveria, exclamation point. Can we stop with this? Can, can we, I mean, can we, can we stop doing that? This is one of the more annoying current year comics writer beats. It's, 
it's like a meme. It's like it's as annoying as people who put the clapping emoji in between every word because they think it helps them make a point when all it really does is make them look like self-important jerks. Though, in fairness, Doom is a self-important jerk, so well played. Now, Doom threatens to go public with everything that's happened here. As in, he's going to lay everything before the international community. Xavier calls his bluff and actually raises the stakes. He figures Doom ain't gonna do diddly squat. Oh, and also, the X-Men will be taking the Latverian mutants back to Krakoa with them. Doom doesn't put up a fight, and even suggests that perhaps the Latverian mutants might teach the other Krakoans some manners. And with that, Doom's Audi. So, we got us a still broken Franklin. The Fantastic Four, they, they huddle up, hug him, they chat him up. And it's here that the art starts getting a more than a little bit sketchy. <laughs> it's not the best Dodson work for the, uh, for the third third of this issue. Now, Franklin, he knows he's still broken. Everything feels wrong. He apo- we're going to get a lot of apologies here. So he apologizes to his family for running off the way he did. But he says he only did so because nobody would listen to him. What's more, nobody would ever talk about the fact that he's a mutant. It's as though his family were embarrassed by that fact. Sue assures him that she couldn't be more proud of him. She then turns to Xavier and apologizes for the way they reacted to this whole deal. She suggests that Xavier had his heart in the right place, he's only trying to free and unify his people, yada yada yada, all that jazz. Next, it's Charles' turn to apologize, and so he does. He says he shouldn't have approached the Richards in the manner that he did. And so, it's time for Franklin to make a decision. And check it out, he will return to Krakoa with the X-Men. Huh. Well, that was unexpected. I wonder if that'll be picked up in the other X-Books or just be something that happened here and never be mentioned again. Um, I suppose we'll eventually find out. Info page. Read Richard's journal, 6620141. I wouldn't want to get them mixed up. This is all about the Krakoan Gates. And uh, Reed talks about the Krakoan Gates <laughs> and talks about how great they'd be for the environment if humans were allowed to use them too. Couldn't Reed uh, invent something like that? I mean, that doesn't seem like it's outside of his wheelhouse, does it? All right. We jump ahead to three weeks later. Franklin is training on Krakoa and preparing to head home for dinner because, uh, you know, those gateways sure make for a speedy com- commute. Professor X and Magneto asked to join him on the trip, since they have some business to attend to in New York as well. It's worth noting, we learn here that Franklin's powers are decaying far slower on Krakoa. We take a scene shift, and we're in Valeria's room, and she's chatting with a hologram doom. Now, they talk about evolution and mutants. It feels kind of like we're treading into the uh, to the realm that we were uh, talking about during Hoxpox, you know, with the post-humans and whatnot. Val gets all glib and cute with Doom and, and tells Doom that uh, he's got to just accept the future. You know, she says, you've got to move on to, uh, to accepting what's going to happen in the future. And then she excuses herself because she's hungry and it's dinner time. Downstairs, Franklin, Charles, and Magneto arrive. The latter pair asks to see Reed, and uh, they're pointed to the lab, because where else is he going to be? So, we follow them to the lab, where Charles tells Reed he'd like to talk about the mutant gene device that he had on Franklin at the start of the story. If you remember, Franklin ran through a Krakoan gateway and literally ran right through it as though it was air, because he was wearing this device, or because there was a device, I guess, that Reed 
planted on him that would hide the fact that he was a mutant. Now, Reed, he's all mea culpa, mea culpa. He apologizes. He knows he was wrong to do that. But Charles cuts him off. You see, he doesn't care so much about the mutant cloaking aspects of the device. Well, he does care about that, but not quite as much as this other thing. And that other thing is the fact that this device can also cut the mutant gene off entirely. So that's where he's a little bit hung up. So much so that he actually removes his Cerebro helmet to look Reed in the eyes. Reed denies it. But Xavier's already in his head, and he knows that he's lying. He tells Reed that he crossed the line, and so something's going to have to be done. And so Xavier mucks around in Reed's head, removing the ability for him to remake this device. Stating no matter how hard Reed thinks about it, he'll never, ever be able to reproduce it. Xavier tells him back in the long ago, citing their time together in that wretched Illuminati collective, ugh, he would have wiped Reed's mind of this encounter completely. Now, however, he wants Reed to know what he's taken from him. He wants Reed to live with the choices he's made. Magneto destroys the one existing device and pretty much tells Reed that he's on notice. He now has the attention of Krakoa, and whereas before he was able to conduct business quote-unquote unchecked, well, that's no longer the case. They welcome Reed to the new world, and they leave. The last three pages of this series are info pages, showing the gradual decay of Reed Richards' journal entry 661007, which is all about this device, which is called the Codex. And it's a pretty cool and creative way of depicting this, which makes me... I'm actually able to forgive the fact that we're spending so many pages on it. Um, yeah, the first page, it looks like a perfectly normal journal entry that we've seen a few times during this series. The second page, there's little bits and pieces missing. And then the third page, it's just a blank entry. So that was really cool. And uh, that is where we leave it. Now, our next episode, we are going to be taking a look at giant size X-Men, Emma, Emma Frost and Jean Grey, or Jean Grey and Emma Frost, whichever direction those come in. And that'll be uh, issue number one of that one shot. So, um, hmm, kind of a mixed bag here. Uh, not sure how much of that might be due to the pandemic, but, uh, I feel like things kind of fell apart here uh, a little bit. Um, again, I don't know, I don't know how much of this was in motion before the world fell apart. I, you know, and, and, and of course, in the grand scheme of things, X-Men plus Fantastic Four number four is probably not worth a hill of beans in, you know, the face of a, a worldwide shutdown. But, well, we're not here to talk about a worldwide shutdown. We're here to talk about a comic book, so that's what we're going to do. Got to say that the story felt far more meticulous throughout the first three chapters, you know? Everything felt like it had a purpose. Everything was leading to something. Everything was, uh... It was meticulous. Everything made sense. I might not have liked everything that was going on, but I couldn't say that it didn't make sense given the context of the story. Here? Uh, this was like a the, the proverbial bag of hammers falling down the stairs in some ways here. It's just things being tossed at the wall to see what they'd stick. Um, uh, attention to detail was a little bit slim here. Uh, we've got the Marauders. Where were they? Wolverine killed a mutant. Huh? <laughs> He's... We don't get any mention of Wolverine at all. Uh, 
I don't know if we can assume that this dead Latverian mutant can be brought back via the Five. I don't know if Professor X has him in his Cerebro, you know, profile. We don't get those questions asked or answered here. Uh, Rogue is in the roll call. We don't see her, as far as I can tell. Uh, we start off with Sue in Doom's lab when she was just in town. Hmm? It almost, and, and I have absolutely no way to back this statement up, it almost felt like panic writing. It's like they realized, oh crap, we got to finish this story now. I, and again, that could be due to the pandemic. Um, or I could just be thinking way, way, way too hard, because I had very high expectations for this. And uh, while I did mostly enjoy it, it kind of fell apart. Uh, the end of this conflict, right? Highly underwhelming and... Yeah, pretty anticlimactic here. Uh, Franklin just decides he's done. He uses his power, and everything's okay again. And and the Fantastic Four and the X Men, they even they're all back to being pals, and they they're literally stumbling over one another to apologize. <sighs> kind of a letdown. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I wanted them to fight to the death or anything. But uh, the way this wrapped up kind of took the wind out of my sails a bit. Um, I could almost compare it to uh, the ending of Operation Zero Tolerance, for folks who might remember that. I mean, we built this story up for what felt like the better part of a year with Bastion, you know, with uh, with the anti-mutant uh, registration stuff or the anti-mutant uh, governmental whatever the hell it was. And then it wraps up with Bastion just, like, giving up and uh, letting himself be arrested. <laughs> it's... Like, all that build for not a whole lot, for a very underwhelming, very pedestrian sort of thing here. And that's kind of, maybe not to the same extent, but that's kind of how I'm feeling here with this. Uh, we do get Franklin choosing Krakoa, which was uh, highly unexpected. Um, I mean, given the, uh, given the, you know, what this show is all about, I obviously have not read any further. So I don't know if this actually plays out in the Dawn of X books. But I'd kind of be surprised if it did. Um, I I just don't see Brevort handing Franklin over to the X office. I, I think that there's a... Uh, that he's, you know, too much of a Fantastic Four character where he's not going to hand this, uh, this character over to another group of uh, editors. Though I have been wrong before. I hope I am. But I don't think I am. Now, the best part of this issue was probably the epilogue. Actually, it was definitely the epilogue here, because, I mean, everything else was kind of very convenient, and then we got Doom pontificating like only Doom can, and then caving <laughs> under under Xavier calling his bluff. Eh, you know, uh, the attempts to, to like put political intrigue into these stories, that's never really going to land with me, because... I don't know. It's like, uh, it's it's hard to. It, it's kind of like they're trying to eat their cake and have it too. It's like we have this fantastical world here, but they're still, you know, they still answer to the government. It's like, eh, could we, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't, just doesn't land right for me. Like seeing Doom say, "I'm gonna tell on you," doesn't feel doomy to me. Doom saying, "I'm gonna, you know, get my pound of flesh." That's one thing, but I'm gonna go tell on you. Especially when all it takes is calling him on the bluff and he backs down. Not a good look. Now, so the best part of the issue was the epilogue here. 
having Xavier and Magneto like putting Reed on notice, knowing what he'd done with that device. I, I like that. It's pretty interesting, and it really makes Reed look villainous. Um, this is like the one scene in this thing where the X-Men actually don't look like the bad guys, or completely like the bad guys. Xavier does wipe his mind in a way, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, robbing him the ability to remake this thing, so that's pretty villainous, but, uh, I don't know, we're getting these shades of gray characters here, and it's, uh, it doesn't make anybody look good, unfortunately. I think it was uh, either Damien or Jason, or maybe both of them, who had written in and mentioned that Reed is being written... Not unlike a villain. And, uh, yeah, this is a sure sign of that. And also, it's worth noting, it kind of speaks to Reed's arrogance, doesn't it? You know, like, say the leader of the group that you're screwing with has the ability to read your mind, and then you still do the thing. (laughs) I mean, that's either ridiculous levels of trust in that Charles Xavier won't, you know, betray your trust and, and just invade your mind, or... That's just a set of stones on Mr. Fantastic there, right? Very, very weird. Um, But, I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say about it. Uh, As an issue, it's kind of anticlimactic, discounting that epilogue. Uh, The rushed art here didn't help matters much either. Um, There were a lot of panels here that looked like they were, like, straight-up inked from sketches. Like, very, very blocky, very, very... uh, uh, just lacking detail, just not good um, for uh, for what we know that the Dodsons can do. Just not good. Now, as an issue, anticlimactic, but as an event miniseries, I mean, for the most part, I enjoyed it. Um, it introduced a lot of interesting ideas, plenty of food for thought, a lot of things I hadn't considered yet. You know, we talked about uh, Xavier's timetable being a bit uh, rigid and not knowing why. I think that was very, very interesting and something worth digging into. Um, it's uh, and we didn't we didn't really get any answers on that. I don't know that we will. I suspect we won't. But it made me think of things that I hadn't yet thought of, which is always good. Um, I'd say for seven seven eighths of this story, it was absolutely beautiful to look at. Uh, there were certainly things I didn't care for, uh, many of which I've already said a bunch of times over the course of these past four episodes. Uh, For the most part, uh, the biggest complaint I have is that I just didn't like how the X-Men were depicted here. You know, and that's... I'm probably going to say that any time they're facing off against another group of heroes, because the X-Men have got to be jobbed out, no matter what. And, uh, you know, I might have said that already a time or eight in recent days, you know? it's I don't like how the X-Men are are portrayed when compared to other heroes, so... That's just something. That's that's my cross to bear, and that'll continue to be. Now, should you read this if you haven't already? I'd say so. Yes, yes. And what's more, if Marvel wants to give me a, a Zarsky Dodson ongoing Fantastic Four, please, yes, I'd gladly fork over my four to five bucks every month to check it out. So, I'd say overall, this was a net positive. Uh, there were certainly things I didn't like about it, but... Uh, I think the good definitely outweighed anything less good, right? Don't want to say bad, but uh, less good. So definitely worth checking out if you uh, are of the mind to do so. I would uh, I would definitely recommend it. But uh, before we jam out of here today for our big 50th episode here, let's dip into the mailbag here. We got one piece of mail, and then we have some blurbs that I would like to uh, share with you all. 
Now our email comes from Al Sedano And he is finally moved into the Dawn of X era He read X-Men Volume 5 Number 1 He says, hey Chris Well I needed a few days to digest all of that hox and pox But now I'm ready to get into the actual individual titles I'm curious to see how I'll feel about them as they go on So first of all we have X-Men Number 1 Let's start with the legacy numbering Oh, do we have to? Uh, he continues I'm sort of with you I'm okay with leg- legacy numbering normally Considering how often they like to restart their titles It does make it easy to keep track of a series However, if they wanted this to be the legacy of Uncanny X-Men They should have titled it that It would have made more sense if this was given the legacy numbering of X-Men Volume 2 The one started by Claremont and Lee Which I think you're familiar with Yeah, I. we've talked about the legacy numbering And my very weird hang-ups about that sort of thing Um And we've also heard from uh, Hickman himself about how he didn't want a legacy number on there at all. But uh, I guess that was just, you know, in the milieu of Marvel at the time where they wanted to do that sort of thing. They haven't done it since for for X-Men. So there's only one issue with a legacy number on it. Maybe in three or four years we'll get an Uncanny X-Men number 700. I mean, stranger things have happened. But uh, I don't know. By then, I mean, this could be rebooted three or four times before that. So... Who knows? Um, Al continues. I hope the roster pages are going to be a normal thing in the different series and not just for the number ones. By the way, I really hate the name Prestige for Rachel. It really doesn't fit her or her powers. And don't you worry, those roster pages ain't going nowhere. (laughs) They are going to eat up a page of every single comic we're going to read here and uh, usually be accompanied by two pages of credits, except for that one wonderful issue of Marauders that only had the one. As for prestige, Rachel as prestige, yeah, I don't like that either. Um, I don't know why they've made Jean Marvel Girl again, because I thought Marvel Girl was a great name for Rachel, as a you know sort of a legacy character in a way. Um, prestige, yeah, don't like it. I don't know when they did that name change. Um, that might have been during the all female X Men run. I want to say that it was probably there because I paid so little attention to that, and uh, <laughs> that might be where it happened. Uh, Al continues, getting into the story itself. So, Orcus is back. Well, I think they're going to be around for a while, but I don't think Orcus is going to be the real problem. It's the post-humans. That's why we get a we didn't get a full ending to that in Hoxpox. It makes sense. Human versus mutants is past versus future. Now mutants are the past, and the future is coming after them. And that's you're 100% right. I, I believe that... Uh, I think one, once all the pieces fall into place, it'll be... We're going to be seeing the transhuman... Uh, the, well, the post-humans uh, situation start to bubble to the surface here. We do see them again, I think, just once since X-Men number one. And it was that... Uh, that Children of the Vault issue where X-23, uh, Darwin, and uh, Sink went into the vault. I'm trying to think if we've heard or seen them since then. Other than that, yeah, I guess we're doing, a, we're doing a long burn on this one. So I do see things coming to a head with them. I think the way Hickman's writing this, that might be like the coda to his run, you know, where you can actually read everything as one one whole story where they're introduced in the beginning of the beginning and then are dealt with at the end of the end. So I I don't think we should be holding our breath for it, but I do definitely see it coming. Uh, Al continues, I did enjoy the Summers family dinner, but was Hepzibah hitting on Rachel? 
I thought she was with Corsair. I don't know. It felt weird, right? She was talking about like the spikes on her outfit and asking if like her underwear was spiked or something. It was very strange. Um, I'll continue. Also, that floor plan. Now I see what people were talking about when this came out. They have open connections between Scott and Jean's rooms and between Jean and Logan's, but not between any of the other rooms. Maybe make mutant babies means all-out mutant polymory. <laughs> uh, as for the empty rooms, I'm guessing the one next to Alex is for Lorna, and the other one, Adam X, maybe? Overall, I enjoyed this issue. I wish it was Adam X. I, I, I don't want to say I un- unironically like him, but I, I tell you, I bought in to him being that third Summers brother, uh, big time, because... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be him originally, so uh, we were supposed to think that. But uh, yeah, I definitely bought in on that uh, big time back in 93-ish, I think it was, 93, 94. But uh, yeah, the uh, the schematic is really cool here for the, uh, the summer house. I like... Uh, actually, I don't really like the love triangle, the Scott, Gene, Logan love triangle. That's a bit of X-Men lore that I've never really glommed onto. But, I mean, you play the ball where it lie, right? So, it is what it is, and, uh, I mean, I'll allow it, because I don't really have much of a choice. And the fact that it is true to what's come before, I'm, I'm totally cool with it. But, uh, thank you so much for writing in, Al. I'm so happy that you're up to, uh, the, the individual titles here, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about the rest of the line. I mean, I think we might have some interesting conversations ahead of us here. You've got... You've got a big issue of X-Force coming up. You've got a great issue of Marauders. You've got whatever's going on in Excalibur. You've got Fallen Angels. <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts as you uh, as you progress through that, uh, that anthology uh, book there. Now, before we finish completely here, I did, uh, I did something kind of desperate, maybe. Um, I sent out a uh, tweet earlier today saying that I was going to be recording the 50th episode and invited people to share some thoughts. And I wasn't expecting anything, and uh, but I did get I did get a handful. And, uh, of course, if, uh, if you somehow missed the tweet, I don't know how far my voice carries. I don't think it carries all that far these days. It used to carry a little bit further. I don't know what happened if I, if I made Twitter mad or if I just made everybody else mad. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm seen far less... Or at least engaged with far less than I have been in quite a while. So if you missed the tweet and you would like to share some thoughts, please feel free to uh, to write in and uh, and share your thoughts about this show. It means a lot to me to hear that people are, uh, A, listening, and uh, B, have something to say about it, good, bad, or indifferent. Now we're going to start with Chris Bailey, my partner over on uh, More Tory Mondays and upcoming Quester Days, and uh, a certain other podcast that I... It has some numbers in the title, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. But uh, he says, I love the shows. It's enriched my new X-Men experience. I'm also the other guy who loves the Major X-Labs show. Hey, thank you. Some of these books I would never buy, so keeping up on Excalibur and Fallen Angels with the podcast is perfect. Bottom line, keep them coming. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for the words about Major X-Labs, which... As I've said before, almost uh, almost pulled me to a full stop. <laughs> that was a toughie. But, uh, no, I'm glad that, uh, that you're following along, Chris. It means a lot to me. And uh, the, uh, the books that... Uh, that's why I wanted to do all the books, right? Because, I mean, not everybody's going to buy all the books. But 
if you're following along um, and you don't feel like spending four or five bucks on an issue of Fallen Angels, and I wouldn't blame you in the slightest if you wouldn't, um, you know, you listen to the show and you'll f- be filled in on everything that happened in it, uh, to the best of my abilities anyway, and you'll be able to keep up. And uh, I think that's that's why I do all or nothing, right? So thank you so, so much. Uh, next, we have uh, some nice words from Andrew at Mighty Evil Doom on Twitter. He says, congrats on the 50th episode. I've listened to every episode. Also, Moratory Mondays, Chris's on Infinite Earths, and The Cosmic Treadmill. I am the worst at engagement and feedback, though. I really like the shows, the synopsises are entertaining, and I value your opinions and analysis of whatever book is being discussed. So for what it's worth, I'm a guaranteed download slash listener for each show, even if I have to wait a few days. I don't have any constructive criticism other than to say, keep doing what you do. Oh, and I'd personally like it if The Horns were added to X-Lapsed pre- and post-synopsis. I think you'll be happy with today's episode. <laughs> we do have the horns today. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, not only listening to this show, but uh, everything. Uh, that That's uh, one of those things I don't know how to put into words, how I feel about it, because it really means so much to me. Um, I try to make the shows different, you know? Um, I don't want every show to be like X-Lapsed, you know? Um, there are other... X-Lapsed shows, like Major X-Lapsed and other things, but I don't want everything to be just like this, so that's why, you know, Chris's on Infinite Earths has its format, Mortory Mondays has its format, The Cosmic Treadmill had a wonderful format, um, that I miss every single day, I, uh, I loved that format, uh, so much, and I would love to do more in that vein, but... It just wouldn't be right So uh, that just won't be happening But uh, no, that means a lot I mean, that's many, many hours with me in your ear And I <laughs> Anybody who would uh, who would do that, uh, that That means the world to me Thank you so much, Andrew um, We have a piece from Jody Yurden He says, I'm really digging everything, Chris And having a fun time reading stuff I might not necessarily have read otherwise I'd also like to add that I take it all back about the great things I said about the farm portion of New Mutants, as issue six was a bit on the brutal side. Keep up the fine work. Well, it's funny that the, the sixth issue of New Mutants is like the only one I liked. <laughs> it's the only one I dug for the farm. But uh, but thank you, thank you so much. Um, I, I I'm glad that um, if you're reading stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily read, that's that says a lot. Um, that that means a lot. That uh, you're adding things to your read pile to uh, to follow along. That uh, yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jody. Uh, that really really means a lot. Finally, we'll wrap up with a piece from uh, Evan Bevins. He says, "I'm enjoying very much hearing another at- lapsed X fan's thoughts on this bold new direction. I only wish I wasn't so far behind." I wonder if any of those other shoes you've mentioned have dropped yet, as I've been uneven in what I've been able to follow. The series and storylines I'm most looking forward to catching up on at some point are the Fantastic Four crossover, because Zarsky has put out great stuff in recent years, and X-Factor, which has one of the best concepts of the bunch. Well, if you're hearing this, then you've heard... You've heard the Fantastic Four one, so there you go. Uh, X-Factor, I don't know when that actually comes up in the rotation, but I'm also looking forward to it. X-Factor, uh, just as the title, has always been a soft spot for me. Um, from you know the original five to the Peter David to uh, 
to the investig X Factor investigations. All new X Factor wasn't all that great, but uh, but everything else has been a, a soft spot for me. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing with the concept here. I think I mentioned on a previous episode that I thought it was something to do with like a police force on Krakoa, but I could very well be wrong. I don't know exactly what the concept is. Um, yeah, and as for those shoes dropping, uh, because I I talked a lot about footwear uh, early on in this run. Um, some of them have, right? Maybe. I don't. <laughs> Got to re-listen to those episodes because I don't remember. But uh, thank you so much for your thoughts, Evan. That really means a lot to me. Um, I had planned to uh, wrap this episode up with an announcement, but. Um, I don't feel right about it just yet. Uh, doing 50 episodes, I thought, was sort of a statement. You know, um, it set a, I don't know, a precedent maybe that uh, that I could be counted on to put out content. You know, I'd been, you know, so many of us podcasters, we will fall on the life got in the way sort of thing. And uh, it never fails. Life does often get in the way. But I thought having 50 episodes would be a good time to announce that maybe I was going to consider reopening the Patreon. Um, but uh, I decided it didn't feel right to do that. Uh, I have been doing a double and triple duty on my recording here over the past uh, three or four weeks. I have a, a whole uh, exclusive line of shows that I was uh, going to launch the Patreon with. And this was something I was going to call, or am calling, because it still exists in the world, it's just not published, uh, Age of X-Lapsed, where I go through the Age of X-Men event. Got a bunch of those episodes already in the can, just waiting for me to uh, launch the deal. So, I don't know. I, I... Always, I felt weird about doing that the first time, and I still kind of feel weird about doing that. I don't know that anything I do is worth anybody paying any actual money for, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll wake up on a different side of the bed tomorrow and decide it's a good idea. But it's, uh, you know, it is there, so maybe one of these days it'll happen. I'll I'll definitely keep everybody in the loop as far as uh, what I decide to do with those episodes, whether they just start showing up on the regular feed or if they wind up uh, somewhere exclusive as a little uh, as a little bonus for folks who uh, want to support the show and the channel and the blog and me in general. <laughs> but uh, I think that's where we'll put a pin in it today. We broke an hour today, which we haven't done in quite a while. Um, I want to thank everyone for sticking around through that extended open, the pre-ramble of, uh, of this uh, program. And uh, raspily voiced, I want to thank everyone for everything over the course of these past 50 episodes. The support, the love, the letters, all that stuff. I, it really means a lot to me. So I think that's where we'll leave it today. And uh, one more giant thank you. And until next time, as always, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya. See ya.